Well, good morning. My name is Bruce Dunning, and last week I stepped in to speak for Pastor Paul, and this is my second of two messages. I mentioned uh, who I was last week, but in case you missed it, I thought that I'd say it again. My wife, Glenda, and I have lived in Halliburton for almost 30 years, and Lakeside's our church home. We have three grown children and three absolutely cute grandchildren. I work at Mediba, which is a Christian camp in West Guilford. If you were able to join us last week, I hope that you have found time to begin to explore the book of Proverbs on your own. If you missed last week, that's okay, because I'm going to give you a brief summary. And besides, you could also go back and look at it online. Most of us here today look to the Bible to provide guidance for our life decisions. In it, we find God's moral law clearly spelled out, such as what's found in the Ten Commandments. Other times, principles lead us to know what to do, like being patient in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. But in the vast majority of life decisions, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what to do. Those day-to-day -day decisions where the Bible doesn't clearly lay out how to live. For times like these, which is the majority of life decisions, we need wisdom to help us to choose. Probably the best book to teach us wisdom is the book of Proverbs. It's a manual for the application of wisdom. So to understand Proverbs, we need to realize several important truths about the book. First, it was probably written as a training manual for young males. Um, and you will note as the many occurrences of the expression, my son. Of course, this doesn't mean that it doesn't equally apply to women as well. The Proverbs were probably uh, primarily written by Jewish uh, King Solomon, and there were some other authors as well, and put together in the format that we have it today, used by probably a number of editors. It is written in, as ancient Hebrew poetry, and we have to make sure to try to avoid read them in the Western mind. For instance, parallelism is common throughout the book where the first part of a tr uh, states a truth, and the second part sharpens or intensifies that first part. And I've often heard people make all sorts of strange interpretations of verses where they try to make the second part say something completely not related to the first. People also get confused when they read verses that appear to say the exact opposite thing. I mentioned last week, Proverbs 26 verse 4 and 26 verse 5 look like they're contradicting one another. 26 verse uh, 4 says, um, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. So you aren't supposed to answer a fool. But the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Instead, we must read these as context sensitive. Wisdom tells us how to apply truths to a situation. So how should you answer a fool? Well, it really depends on the context. A final thing that I'd like to remind us all is that the book of Proverbs is not laid out in some neatly organized themes. And from our Western eyes, it almost looks as like many verses were almost randomly placed. Although some sections are definitely arranged by theme, many others do not appear to be. Perhaps this was the editor's strategy so as to reinforce them as a sort of a test for those to learning to apply wisdom day by day. 
Nevertheless, to help us understand the book, I've laid out our most these messages according to the most common contrasting themes in the book of Proverbs. Last week, we looked at the foundational theme of wisdom versus folly. And the definition of wisdom that we are choosing to use comes from Tremper Longman III in his helpful book called How to Read Proverbs. It says, wisdom is knowing the right time and the right circumstance to apply the right principle to the right person. Those four things have to be there for wisdom to be happening. Last week, we were also introduced to the theme uh, verse, which is in Proverbs, and I'm encouraging each one of us to memorize it for ourselves. So let's say it together out loud, if even where you are. It's Proverbs 9, verse 10, and we'll say the verse and then the, the, the reference at the end. Let's say it together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. It's a deep attitude of reverence or fear that serves as a foundation for all of life's decisions. But the fear of the Lord is different than other fears as it doesn't turn us away uh, as other fears do, but it actually draws us into deeper relationship with him. Notice the parallelism of the verses. The fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One, the knowing part, are related. As we take up his invitation for a deeper relationship, our respect and knowledge of him grows, and we realize we can trust him for every decision that we make in life. That's why two of the most treasured verses in Proverbs were Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. God will give us the wisdom we need to make in life decisions. As we trust him, he will make our path clear. If we fear any decision more than the Lord, that fear takes God's rightful place and becomes an idol in our hearts. So this turns to the second most common contrasting theme in the book of Proverbs. In today's message, I've entitled Wise Words life versus death. My father passed away over 20 years ago now, but I'd like to share with you an incident in his life that profoundly impacted him. When my dad was a young man, one Sunday my dad mustered up all of his courage to stand up and share something that was on his heart in a service where people were encouraged to share something that they had been learning. After he shared, another man stood up and publicly rebuked my dad for something that he said. Well, I don't know exactly what my dad said or what the other man said to my dad, but I do know that it impacted him so significantly that he never spoke another word in public and in church for the rest of his life. It's quite sobering when you think of it. There's a verse in Proverbs that speaks to what happened to my dad that day. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, my dad experienced words of death that day. Even though my dad probably said something that wasn't quite correct, the man who publicly rebuked him was more concerned about correcting my dad than speaking words of life to him. 
I'm not saying that there's not a time for correction and rebuke, for Proverbs teaches that there is. But what I am saying is that our words have incredible power to give either life or death. And as such, we need to be ultra careful that with all of our words, that they lead people towards the way of life and not the way of death. The children saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is false. It's a lie. Can you think of people in your life that spoke words of life or words of death to you? How did they impact you? What about you? Do you usually speak words of life or words of death? I'm actually embarrassed to say that sometimes I, I've spoken words of death to others, but God's been working on me to change my heart in this. On the other hand, I've spoken words of life that have brought healing and encouragement to many, and that is my goal in life. Every word that we say has the potential for both life and death. That's why I believe that the contrasting theme of words of life and words of death is the second most common theme in the book of Proverbs. In my research of those themes, I found the following, that the bad use of words was found 96 times, and the good use of words is only 63. Actually, more about the bad than the good. Both together, 159 times in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about our words, as does the rest of Scripture. But before we look at the characteristics of life and death in Proverbs, let me, let's uh, first clearly understand that the source of our words is not our lips, it's our heart. It's not just a matter of controlling the tongue, but it all begins with our hearts. Proverbs has a lot to say about the heart. In the NIV, the word heart appears 78 times more than an average of two times per chapter. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, above all else, most important thing, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. This truth is repeated many times in Scripture, but it's probably best laid out in the words of Jesus when he spoke about the hypocrisy of the re religious leaders of their day, of his day. In Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37, Jesus says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. And make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. What powerful words of Jesus. Those are challenging, aren't they? The source of what we say begins in our hearts. Whatever kind of heart we have will eventually be expressed in our words. Or to use Jesus' metaphor, a tree will be known by its fruit. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree, bad fruit. 
Jesus concludes his thoughts by reminding us that on judgment day, we'll have to give an account for every careless word we have spoken, which is a very sobering thought. How about you? What kind of heart do you have? How do you know what kind of heart you have? Jesus said that we can simply tell by examining the words that come out of our mouth. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Wow. Now let's turn back to the book of Proverbs to see a summary of the characteristics of foolish words of death and wise words of life. We're going to examine seven contrasting characteristics of words of death and words of life in Proverbs. The first uh, contrasting characteristic of words of life, words of death, is perversity versus righteousness. Proverbs 10 verses 31 and 32 says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. Proverbs 4 verse 24 says, Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. 10 verses 20, verse 20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. And finally, Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In summary, foolish people use language that is corrupt, but wise people use righteous words that are sweet, full of healing and spoken in a timely manner. By the way, for each of the seven contrasts, I'm going to ask a question or two and then pause for reflection. And I'd like you to consider using, I, I've considered using uh, specific examples to motivate you, but in the end, I thought it might be more impacting for each of us to personally reflect on this matter. And so I'm going to have a little bit of time of silence afterwards. So the question for this, do perverse words ever come out of your mouth? How often do your words bring healing? Pause to reflect. A second contrasting characteristic of words of life and and words of death is lies versus truth. Proverbs 12 verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in men who are truthful. Proverbs 12 verse 17 says, A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. 15 verse 4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 26 verse 28 says, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Foolish people use deceitful, flattering language that is full of hateful lies, crushes the spirit. But wise people speak truthfully and honestly and bring healing to those who hear. So, do you always speak the truth? And do your words bring healing? The third contrasting characteristic of words of life and death is that they stir up dissension versus promoting peace. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
Proverbs 11, verse 12 says, A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. And 15, verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And verse 20, 20 verse 3 says, It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. You see, Foolish people use reckless words that stir up anger in others. But wise people hold their tongues and use gentle language to calm a situation and bring peace. So do your words stir up others or calm them down? A fourth contrasting characteristic of words of life and words of death is gossip versus being trustworthy. 11 verse 13 of Proverbs says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Proverbs 16 verse 28 says, A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 18 verse 8 says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels, and they go down to a man's most inward parts. And 20 verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Foolish people gossip about others and separate close friends. But wise people keep confidence by controlling their words. Are you ever guilty of gossiping about others? Or are you ever characterized by keeping confidences? A fifth contrasting characteristic of words of life and words of death is boasting versus restraining words. Proverbs 17, verse 27 and 28 says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And a man of understanding is even-tempered. Even a fool is thought to be wise if he keeps silent, and discerning if he holds his tongue. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what, what a day may bring forth. And Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. And 10 verse 19 says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. You see, foolish people boast about themselves continually, but wise people are careful to hold their tongue. Are you careful to use your words sparingly and to never boast about yourself? A sixth contrasting characteristic of words of life and words of death is ignorance versus knowledge. Proverbs 14, verse 7 says, Stay away from a foolish man, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. 10, verse 14 says, Wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Proverbs 16, verse 23 says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. And Proverbs 18, verse 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Foolish people air their own ignorant opinions, but wise people guard their lips 
from a righteous heart. So are you quick to express your opinion on something when you really don't know the full situation? Or do you seek to continually gain more knowledge? A seventh and, con and final contrasting characteristic of words of life and death is that reward versus punishment. Proverbs clearly teaches both. Proverbs 13 verse 3 says, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 10 verse 14 says, Wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. 12 verses 13 and 14 says, an evil man is trapped by a sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hand rewards him. And 18 verse 7 says, A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. So in summary, foolish people are ruined by their words that are a snare to their souls. But wise people guard their words and escape trouble. Have you ever experienced the negative results of speaking rashly or the rewards of speaking good words? So here are a few more teachings in the rest of Scripture, just like we did last week, just to show that it's, these truths are not confined to the book of Proverbs. The Apostle Paul knew the power of words when he warned the Ephesian church not to speak any unwholesome words, but only that which builds up others. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Last week, I mentioned that the book of James is sometimes characterized as the Proverbs of the New Testament. This reputation is deserved um, and is full of great wisdom, and especially true when it comes to our speech. So James 1 verse 19 says, My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And chapter 3 verses 1 to 8 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that you who teach will be judged more strictly. A sobering thought. We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we, we put, when we put uh, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder that whenever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and creatures in the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Our words are powerful and can impact things in significant ways, just like the rudder of a ship or the flame in a forest. In summary, the words we speak can be either words of life or words of death. And the words that come out of our mouth are the result of what is in our hearts. We looked at seven characteristics. We saw that perversity versus righteousness, lies versus truth, stirring up dissension versus bringing healing, gossip versus trustworthiness, boasting versus restraining words, ignorance versus knowledge, reward versus punishment. Jesus and James both use metaphors for the tongue, good and bad trees producing good and bad fruit. The tongue is like a fire that can cause tremendous damage. And the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder in a ship where a few words can have tremendous impact. How would the people who are closest to you evaluate your speech? Will you commit to letting the Lord transform your heart so out of your lips will proceed only words of life and not words of death? What one thing are you going to do or decide today that you can do as a result of hearing this message? The word of God is meant to be applied and not just heard. Choose that one thing or even right now. So we've come to our end of exploring the first two contrasting themes of the book of Proverbs. We've looked at wisdom versus folly as the foundation of life. And we've looked at life and death from our words. So again, I'd like to encourage you to do the optional assignments that I said last week. I encourage you to continue to reading a chapter of Proverbs each day. And even if you haven't started yet, it's a really good habit to do. It only takes a few minutes, but the rewards are incredible. And secondly, is to memorize the theme verse of Proverbs. And perhaps we could say it together now as we conclude. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Also, I'd encourage you to use the handout that's available online uh, as it has questions for discussion or reflection. So thanks so much for taking time to hear what God has to say through the book of Proverbs. And just like last week, if you'd like to get in touch with me, just feel free to email me and I'd be glad to correspond with you or even pass on the notes digitally if that would be a help. Uh, my email is bruce at mediba.com. Thank you very much and may God bless you as you seek to apply these truths to your life.